You're listening to The Capital Table. Private capital markets have been evolving for many years, but never more so than in recent times. Take a seat at The Capital Table with leading experts discussing insights into the private equity and M&A world, and take away the knowledge you need to excel in a rapidly changing marketplace. We know this is one table you'll leave feeling full and satisfied. Welcome to this edition of the Capital Table. I'm very excited to have Marcy Taylor, principal in our law firm advisory practice with us today to discuss M&A activity in the legal profession. Welcome, Marcy. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Happy to be here. Uh, Yeah, our law firm advisory team does uh, strategy, management, and marketing consulting with law firms around the country. Um, I've been, I'm a former practicing attorney, but I've been doing the management side for the last 20 years or so. So uh, we definitely talk to law firms about their merger and strategic growth plans every day. That's great. While these mergers by law firms don't directly involve private equity, the transitions occurring in the legal profession have an impact on the legal resources essential for private equity to operate. So Marcy, what has been the trend in law firm mergers since the pandemic? Well, obviously, when the pandemic first started, uh, law firm managers had a lot of other things to worry about um, besides mergers and acquisitions. You know, like most firm leaders, they were worried about, you know, setting policy and having their people be safe and getting them set up technology wise. But um, since then, merger activity has increased significantly. And we think that's just going to continue in 2022. Um, We've seen a lot of firm mergers this year so far. Um, and with the war for talent just continuing to grow, um, we expect that to continue next year, big time. Yeah, it's interesting. So expand. Let's expand on the part where why should private equity care about this topic we're discussing, law firm M and A. Right. Um, well, they should care because some interesting things happened during the pandemic. Um, for the first time ever, the state of Arizona. Um, now allows for non-lawyer ownership of law firms, um, which means that private equity firms can own a law firm uh, or some some version that includes practicing lawyers. Um, there are 12 business business entities that have filed in the state of Arizona so far, including LegalZoom and some other big ones. And um, from uh, what people who are uh, very involved in this tell us, there are a lot of private equity and venture capital firms making inquiries about how they can get into the market here. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and that's certainly going to change the landscape, as we know, and and create opportunities, obviously, for a number of people in our audience. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also in Utah, and uh, it's expected to happen in Florida, and New York and Illinois should be soon to follow. So it's not just an Arizona thing. Once, once it starts, it's going to spread around the country, we think. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the merger activity, you know, how would you categorize which types of firms are merging, you know, and who's looking stronger with this growth growth factor that's coming along? Yeah, so um, in the legal world, the AMLA or American Lawyer 100 and 200 are kind of the, the the list that everybody look at it looks at in terms of top firms, um, the top 100 being the largest. The second 100 is where we think we're going to see the most um, consolidation activity. Um, 
they're real firms in that range are really struggling in terms of um, the war for talent and keeping their lawyers. And and once 2022 starts and firms really implement their full return to work policies, we think we're going to see a lot more attrition. Uh, people looking for flexibility and not wanting to come back to work in the traditional law firm way. Um, so I think firms are going to be scrambling and and looking to consolidation to to continue their growth or even to maintain their market position at that point. Well, that's interesting, Marcy. So as you look at the landscape, what types of firms are emerging other than those categories you mentioned that are active? Yeah, um, well, the large law firms are emerging for the reasons that I started talking about. You know, there's kind of still an imperative for growth. Um, You know, they have much higher attrition rates than smaller firms do, so they're losing lawyers and they're trying to keep <laughs> keep replacing them and they're also trying to build on their different practice capabilities and industry capabilities um, to continue to meet their clients needs as their clients grow and they're operating globally um, you know and there's also a really good opportunity i think for small and mid-sized firms mid-sized firms like all law firms have fared pretty well um, during the pandemic and hopefully coming out of the pa- pandemic um, and so they have a unique op- opportunity in a couple of ways. Number one, they're able to acquire practices that are leaving uh, big law. Um, I think, you know, we've heard this term with the great resignation. I don't think we've felt the full impact of that in the legal industry just yet. Uh, most for a lot of the larger firms push back their return to work dates until after January 1st. So I think it won't be until after that passes that we'll really feel um, the full impact about um, return to work and what's that what that's done to those firms. Um, so I think mid sized firms are in a great position to pick up groups of lawyers from those firms who want to leave for whatever reason. Um, flexibility seems to be the number one reason that people are leaving. Um, they're also able to fill gaps and and small and mid sized firms have a lot more in terms of leadership succession issues and client succession issues with the continued aging of the profession and the baby boomers you know, finally reaching retirement age and needing to replace their leadership um, and find people to keep going with the client work for the clients that they've served. So I think there's really opportunities at all, level, all levels. Um, and this time of year is when people start really thinking about it for the year ahead. So what is, you know, as they're contemplating this, what are some of the key considerations you think that firms should look at when they're contemplating a merger and and finding the right partner to merge with or into their firm? Uh, you know, what are the, where do you focus them and where do you think they should focus as they're going down this road? Right. Well, we never want firms to grow just for growth's sake, right? We want there to be some strategy behind it. And so, you know, most often it's it's driven by client demand. What are their clients wanting that they can't deliver or that they want to deliver more of but can't in their current capacity? So um, some strategic reason related to either the breadth or the depth of the services that they provide or per- perhaps um, you know, as law firms have gone more toward industry sector specialties, more depth in particular industries um, are great reasons to do that. 
Um, so there has to be some sort of strategic reason. Maybe it's it's just expanding their geographic scope consistent with their client needs again. Um, that's important, whether they need to become regional or national or global in nature to, to serve their clients. Um, you know, obviously the, the financial factors have to make sense. There has to be some sort of co compatibility. If it's beyond uh, if the disparity between revenues and profits and overhead between the two different firms are too much and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And of course, culture, you know, that's always important, as I'm sure you see in your work, um, you know, but it's very, very important in law firms. It's a people business and they pride themselves on their firm cultures for better and worse. And if it's a bad cultural fit, that tends to be the number one reason why mergers either don't happen or they fail after they happen. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you know, I think a couple additional thoughts come to mind, Marcy, listening to you and uh, overview of the situation. And I guess, you know, the first one is, at least from my perspective, you know, oftentimes in the past, law firms were merging because they wanted an office here or they wanted an office there to serve their larger national clients. Have you seen any or predict any impact of the pandemic and remote work on lessening the need to just have an office for geography's sake? Well, it's an interesting question because um, lawyers are still, unfortunately, bound by these kind of archaic jurisdictional requirements for licensing, right? With you have to be licensed in the particular states. So unless that goes away sometime soon, and I personally hope that it does, um, I think it makes a lot more sense. But you're still going to have a need to have lawyers who are licensed in particular states. Now, whether you need to have physical offices in another state is a whole other question. And, you know, the firms that we're working with and that we've been speaking with um, have told us that the, the pandemic has actually opened their minds to acquiring lawyers or practices in markets where they wouldn't have considered that before, but can now because they don't have to, you know, it's not as much of a risk because they may, they, they can just open a virtual office. Um, so it's not like they have to invest, you know, make the big real estate investment that was required to expand geographically before. So I think it definitely has opened up um, law firms thinking as to where they need to be and how they how they can establish a presence in those markets. Yeah, that's, those are really fascinating points and certainly important. Mm -hmm. I think the other question that comes to mind, going back to your home state of Arizona and the changes, the change that's been implemented there. Do you think that is a the start of a trend in many states across the country, or time will tell on that one? No, it definitely is. So, Utah around the same time um, passed something similar. They're calling it a regulatory sandbox, and we have some of the alternative legal service providers. There's some really interesting larger companies. Um, Axiom is one. You know, and you have, of course, you have companies like Rocket Lawyer and LegalZoom who are challenging the tradi traditional law firm models in terms of how services are delivered. Um, you know, and some of those have have um, established a presence in Utah, and some of them have applied. LegalZoom just recently applied to receive this alternate business structure, which is the format under which Arizona requires you to um, 
have a non-traditional law firm here or non-lawyer ownership of a law firm. There's only 12 companies that have applied so far, but I think we're going to see a lot more. Florida is probably soon to pass their version of Utah's regulatory sandbox. And there are at least five or six other states, including New York, that um, will likely do something in this way in, in 2022. And I think if we see those states do it, I think it's going to happen all over the country. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, we've been talking about this for 20 I've been doing this for over 20 years and we've been talking about it the whole time. And now it seems like at long last it's happening and, you know, how that's going to work out and what it's going to mean are interesting questions. And I talk to my friends in private equity and I say, you know, why would someone in PE want to invest in a law firm? And um, and from the law firm perspective, you know, lawyers don't like to give up control of their business. Um, so what what would be attractive to them? I mean, obviously the the infusion of capital so they can grow and and improve their technologies and and do the things that they may not necessarily have the capital to do would be one. But I, I think it's interesting enough to at least explore the possibilities and and the conversations have been really interesting. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, really fascinating changes going on, and I'm sure we'll have future episodes of the capital table to discuss this over time because uh, really fascinating how this is shifting and mercy we thank you for joining us today and a great discussion thanks for having me steve thank you everyone we look forward to talking to you on the next edition of the capital table thank you you've been listening to the capital table for more information please visit witham.com Thank you for listening.